Well, on February 25th, 1882, there were about 10 charter members of First Baptist Church Uvalde. And as you look at the church's history, it is clear that these believers were serious about reaching people for Christ. As you look in the, the records of the church, this church was growing like crazy. People were coming to know Jesus. People were getting baptized. It, it, it was amazing growth. But somewhere along the way, as a church, we, we lost our passion to reach people like that, to be serious about, about sharing the gospel with people. We, we don't know exactly what happened. Maybe we got distracted. Probably we got busy. Maybe we got discouraged. But somewhere along the way, the church, well, we quit reaching people like we were. And it is time for us now to redream the dream. What was the dream of these original members of First Baptist Church of Valley? It was to reach this city, this area for Christ. And it's time for us as a church family to recommit to, to that mission, that goal, that purpose of, of making disciples, of telling people about the love of Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, as you see, we're kicking off a new series called Redream the Dream. And in this series, we're going to be talking about our church's mission. Our, our church's mission statement is this. For the glory of God, we exist to lead people to believe in Jesus, belong to Jesus' family, and become like Jesus. Now, this is a, a statement that we've worked through as a staff and with our church revitalization team. We've, we've worked together. And for the next several weeks, we're going to think about this statement. We think it captures the original dream of our founders. We think it captures, most importantly, what God has called us to do according to the commands of Scripture. So for the next several weeks, we'll think together about the mission that God has given us as a church. And this morning, we're going to focus on the first part of that statement, for the glory of God. And we're going to ask this question, why did God create the church? What's the purpose of a church? And we'll be in Ephesians chapter 3. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, you can just reach out, take one, and turn to page 1037. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote to the church at Ephesus. But this letter was meant probably to be read by the surrounding churches as well. And in the, uh, this letter, Paul emphasizes the church. He focuses on the church. Let's take a look at Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 11. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you? The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom 
may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. From this passage, we see that the purpose of the church, or you could say the purpose of our church, is to glorify God. Why are we here? There's the answer to the question. It's to bring him glory. This morning, I hope to help us focus on what matters in in the church. My prayer is that God will use his word to give us a fresh love for himself and for his church. Yes, we want to be a church who is about his glory. We want a commitment to the glory of God to drive all that we do. And we'll consider three ways that we are called to glorify God as a church. First, we glorify God by sharing the gospel and leading people to believe in Jesus. In verses 1 through 6, Paul explains that this mystery was revealed to him. Now, what does Paul mean by mystery? When Paul uses mystery, and often when you see mystery used in the New Testament, it refers to something that was once unknown, but that has now been made known. So Paul says this was a mystery, but now it is being revealed. What's the mystery? Paul says that both Jews and Gentiles who hated each other would come together into one family through the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? As one writer said, the gospel is a Bible word that simply means good news. This is the good news that God loves us, that he sees us in our brokenness, and he doesn't just leave us there, but he sends his son to this earth to take the punishment for our sin upon himself. You see, Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he came back to life, proving that he was who he said he was. You see, through this miracle, God takes our sin and he places our sin on Jesus, and he takes Jesus' perfect righteousness and he puts it on us. And so when we turn from our sin and believe, we're saved. We we begin a relationship with God that never ends. And we're able to recover and pursue God's design for our lives. This is the beauty of the gospel. And this was the mystery that God was making known through the apostle Paul that both Jew and Gentile would, would come together Now, in verse 7 and following, Paul is amazed that he has the opportunity to take this glorious gospel to the Gentiles. In verse 10, Paul says the church is meant to glorify God in heavenly realms. The preaching of the gospel isn't simply to make converts, but to create churches who honor God. Now, think about pregnancy. The point of pregnancy is not just to have a baby. When a a dad and a mom decide to to have a a child, the point of a a pregnancy is is a family. It's so that that this baby is going to be born into a, a family where they're loved and cared for. And the reality is the point of our coming to Christ is not just so that we can be converted. The point of our coming to Christ is that we might become a part of God's family. And that as a part of God's family, we might glorify Him and and honor Him. So how does this play out in our lives and in the lives of our church family? Well, first, the question that's most important is this. Have you believed in Jesus? See, the Bible teaches that apart from Christ, we are destined to live all eternity without God in a terrible place called hell. We get for all eternity what we demanded here on earth, life without God. But friends, 
We don't want to live that life for all eternity. So, so what should we do? We should turn away from our sin. We should believe in Jesus. So I ask you, if you're here today, have you believed in Jesus? Next, we as a church must concentrate on the gospel. We're often distracted. Uh, we, we recognize that the truth of the gospel, the fact that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and, and rose again and of his atonement, that brings the church into being. So we, we share the gospel, the spirit moves in hearts and saves, and the church is formed. So as a church family, we must be careful not to get bogged down so that we're doing lots and lots and lots of things to keep us busy, but that we're not keeping a focus on the gospel. Yes, we must be about the gospel. Next, as a church, we avoid gimmicks. We're not giving away an iPad Pro to try to get people to come to church. You can draw a crowd with all kinds of things. God doesn't call us to draw a crowd. He calls us to, to come together as a church to, to create disciples who know him, who love him, who live Christ-like lives, and who share him out in the community. So we avoid gimmicks. We're committed to the word. What's God's blueprint for building the church? Well, brothers and sisters, it's you and it's me living lives of integrity out there. And it's us telling people about Jesus. It's us sharing the gospel. And it's us as a church living a kind of life that demonstrates God's love. Yes, that's God's plan for, for building a church. So we glorify God as a people who are formed by the gospel and who declare the gospel. Second, we glorify God as diverse peoples who belong to a united family of faith. Look in verses 6 and 10. In verse 6, Paul says, The mystery is that through the gospel, both Jew and and Gentile can be formed into one family. Of course, Paul is speaking about the universal church, which is composed of all people who believe in Jesus for all times. But he's expecting this to be lived out in the context of a local church like this one and like the church that he was writing to in Ephesus. In verse 10, Paul speaks of the manifold or the multi Faceted wisdom of God. Now, this word manifold or, or multifaceted is full of meaning. It was used by Greek writers to describe flowers, to describe crowns, to describe intricate embroidery. And so this word points to a deep beauty and design. Uh, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, a simpler version of this word was used to describe the coat that uh, Jacob gave to his son, that richly ornamented robe, that coat of many colors. So God's wisdom is revealed when he takes people as diverse as Jews and Gentiles. Now remember, in this day and time, Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles were non-Jews, they hated each other. The Jews believed themselves to be far superior to the Gentiles. They, they thought of themselves as a cut above. There's, there's us, and then there's all those other people out there. There was great uh, tension between the Jews and, and the Gentiles. And what God says here is that he wants to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together in one family, unified around the gospel. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How do you get a Jew and a Gentile 
to love one another. Or to ask it in another way, how do you get Americans who are divided politically, who are divided racially and, and divided in all sorts of other ways, how do you get us to actually care about each other and love each other? Well, what Paul says is that the one thing that can unify, that can bring people together is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not divided by the color of our skin. We're not divided by our age, young or old. We're not divided by our socioeconomic status. You see, in Christ, we come together committed to one another as one church family for the glory of God. And when we do that, oh, that brings God great glory. Yes, it reveals His intricate and beautiful wisdom. Have you ever been to a family reunion and after leaving, you ask yourself, why on earth was I a part of that? I must have been adopted. There's no way I could be a part of that family. I'm, I'm so different. I have nothing in common with them but a last name. Well, friends, the church is meant to be a little bit like that. We ought to be all kinds of people. But you know what we have in common? It's not a last name. It's that we love the one whose name is above all names. It's that we love Jesus. That's what brings us together. And because we love Jesus and because we've bowed our knee to him, we love each other. We love each other even though we're different, even though we have different uh, desires, even though we have different preferences. We love each other. We know Jesus and he's changed our hearts and our lives. And when we love each other like this, though very diverse, we bring God glory. We reveal to the watching world who God is. That's what this is about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about making his name known. It's about glorifying and honoring him so how does this play out in our church family? Well, first, in our church, there should be great diversity. Want to know what a church should look like? Well, a church should look like the community that surrounds it. We ought to be composed of the same sorts of people that are around our community, that are in our community. That's, that's what we should look like. We want to be diverse. We, we want all ethnicities. We want all socioeconomic levels. We want all ages. We want to be a people who reveal God's glory, very different, but committed to God and committed to each other because of the gospel. Next, unity is essential in our church family. Unity is essential. A church cannot glorify God if it's not united. We must be committed to each other. We must be committed to, to building unity, to remaining committed to our church family, to each other, and sometimes this is harder than at other times. Sometimes it's more difficult. Something happens and kind of gets us a little irritated. And if we're not careful, we'll say, well, I'm just going to walk away from there. Forget that church. No, friends, don't do that. We work through these things. If you've got a concern that just keeps bugging you, we talk to, to, the, to the person that we're concerned or the, the, the person involved. We talk directly to them. We work through and we build Unity. We work toward unity. And a lot of the times, working toward unity means giving up our, our own preferences. We can't give up the word. We are committed to the word. But sometimes we do have to give up our, our preferences. But it's, it's a good thing. Because then, 
what, what's furthered? The mission is furthered. And that's what we want to see furthered. The mission furthered for God's glory, for his honor. So we work to develop unity. I want to say something else about unity. Unity doesn't just happen. It takes time and effort. So this means that if we're going to be unified as a church, well, we actually have to be together. We have to spend time together. We have to, we have to make being together and being in worship, for example, a part of the regular rhythm of our lives. Being in a, in a, a group, a Bible study on Sunday morning or a midweek group or something, being a part of our lives where we're actually connecting with other people. Unity requires work, requires time, but it's critical for a healthy church. It's critical for a healthy Christian. Next, unity, as I mentioned a moment ago, is built on gospel truth so we don't ignore doctrine. Many churches have ignored the Bible's teaching in the pursuit of unity, in the pursuit of love. They say, well, we're just going to love people. And in so doing, they've lost the gospel. We can't do that, brothers and sisters. We want to love people with all that we are, but not at the cost of the teachings of Scripture, not at the cost of the gospel. So we don't ignore doctrine. And instead, our unity is built on the truths of God's Word. That's what our unity is built upon, our love for God, the gospel, and His Word. Next, our love for each other as believers reveals God to a watching world and beyond. So we've seen that a church honors God in unity. Third, we glorify God by revealing God's awesome wisdom in the spiritual realms. We glorify God by revealing his awesome wisdom in the spiritual realms. Paul says that God used the church to reveal his glory to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavens. Who is Paul talking about? He's talking about angels and demons. This is crazy to think about, but... Paul says that God used what's happening here in this church and in other churches across the land to teach the, the angels, to teach the demons. Now remember, these spiritual beings are not omniscient. God is omniscient. That means that he knows all things. They're not. He is. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, angels didn't fully understand all that God was doing and, and bringing his grace through Christ in fact, 1 Peter 1.12 says the angels long to glimpse into these things. So as God uses the gospel to bring together or to reconcile Jews and Gentiles in, uh, in the church, to, to bring them together as a family, he reveals his own glory in the spiritual realm. Isn't that crazy to think about what's happening here? It's echoing in the spiritual realm. In verse 11, we see that the church was God's eternal plan. It wasn't merely an afterthought. It was God's plan for all eternity to make his glory known through bodies like this one right here. You see, when God builds the church, the angels look on with joy and amazement. And when God builds his church, the demons look on with fear and they shudder. There's more going on in the church than meets the eye. As a member of the church, you're, as one author said, a part of a cosmic sermon that's being preached in the spiritual realms. When you go to a play, that play reveals the talent of the director. Every actor, every actress, actress every costume, every prop, every lot, every sound, every single part of that play reveal the artistry of the director, the talent of the director. 
Likewise, the church, what you and me are doing right here, is meant to reveal his glory. It's meant to reveal who he is. Isn't that incredible to think about? How do these truths shape us? First, belong to a church family. Don't be a wanderer when it comes to church. The church is central in God's plan. To put it plainly, if you really love Jesus, then you're going you're to love the church. He founded the church. And if you want your life to bring God glory, then you'll plant your life in a faith family. Next, don't wait for a perfect church. Don't wait for a perfect church before you commit to a church family. You've probably heard it said that if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. And that's true for all of us. You know, there's just not going to be a perfect church. This side of heaven, sin affects me. It affects you. You're going to have, you've got a sinful pastor. But you know what? I'm walking around amidst a whole group of people who are sinful. We're all in this together. We need each other. We, we don't look for a perfect church. Instead, we plan our lives in a church that's committed to the Word of God, and we, we ride the waves. There'll be good times, there'll be difficult times. We ride the waves together. We trust that God's doing something greater. We trust that God is doing something beautiful and good through our commitment to Him and one another. So be willing to work at it and, and recognize that it's, it's challenging sometimes being a part of a church family, but it is right and good and honoring to God. Next, realizing our purpose helps us to avoid getting bent out of shape over silly things. It helps us avoid silly arguments and selfishness. Why? What's the purpose of First Baptist Church Uvalde? Let's answer this together. To glorify God. Let, let me ask it one more time, and I want you to, to answer with me. What's the purpose of First Baptist Church Uvalde? Glorify God together. That's right. That's our purpose. When we recognize that, well, then I can, I can live with some things that are frustrating to me. And, and you can too, with God's grace and help. Why? Because our purpose is for His glory. It's not for my preference. It's not so I get what I want. It's so that the mission's furthered, so that God is glorified. We recognize that it is a mission over me. It's mission over me. It has to be if God would be glorified. When I was 18 years old, the summer after I graduated from high school, I faced some really difficult days. For most of my time in high school, I dated the same girl, and we were really close. I built my life around her, and every summer she would go to California because her dad lived out in California. Well, the summer after my senior year, she was in California, but she began to talk to a, a fellow out in California. And suddenly, my whole world was collapsing. I, I, I didn't even know how to go on. I, I cared so deeply for her. I, I loved her so much. I thought my heart was broken. And I confided in one of my teachers, a godly woman who, who was part of First Baptist Church Bowie. And you know what her advice was? Lonnie, you claim to be a Christian. After all, I... I had put my faith in Christ when I was eight years old at a vacation Bible school at a church. But I was too spiritual to go to church. When I was in, in high school, I was a pretty moral kid. And I looked at myself, and I knew a lot of people who went to church, and I was a lot better than they were. I mean, you know, you've been there, probably some of you. You're, you're a lot more spiritual and better than them, and I was there. Well, my teacher, she challenged my assumptions. She said to me, you say you're a believer. You need to be in church. 
You need to be with other Christians. You need to be following what God's word teaches. Well, you know what? It aggravated me. I was, I was frustrated with her. Next time I talked to her, guess what she said to me? You know what? Lonnie, you need to get involved in a Bible study up at the church. And finally, I can remember saying to my sister, you know what? I'm going to go to that church one time so that Mrs. Goodwin will leave me alone about that. I don't want to go. I, I, I just want her to, get her to get her off of my back. But this is what happened. I went to that church, and God used the people in this church to teach me about who he was. Now, I'd, I'd read the Bible many times, but I hadn't seen it fleshed out in a church family. As a kid, I only went to church for maybe a year, year and a half when I was really young. And when I went to that church, God used that church to change the course of my life. People loved me and cared for me. I saw examples of faith, older folks who loved Jesus and who cared about me. Who, who would ask me, how are you? I'm praying for you. Things like that. It just blew me away. I'd never seen anything like that before. It was amazing to me. My story of being shaped so powerfully by believers at First Baptist Church Bowie never made the news. Wasn't on television. Wasn't in the newspapers. People read newspapers back then. It wasn't there. But you know what? God was writing his story in eternity. And he was doing something greater than the things that are splashed across the headlines of the papers and blared out in social media. He was accomplishing his eternal purposes. And how did he do it? Through a faithful but flawed church family. This is God's plan for carrying out his mission, for making his glory known. Why, why the church? Why does all this matter? Because of the glory of God. That's why, so friends, brothers and sisters, let's redream the dream together. Let's, let's grab hands and let's say, by God's grace, we are going to be used by him. We're going to love people in his name and we're going to see people in this community transformed by Christ. Yes, we want to see God glorified. If you're a Christian, I want to ask you, do you belong to a church family? If you're a Christian, that really is what God wants for you. Find a church that you believe lines up with the word and plant your life there. If you're a part of a church family, I want to ask you, do you invest your life in the church for the glory of God or do you sacrifice little? Statistics show that the average church member attends church less than twice a month. Think about that. Less than twice a month. Can a church thrive and be healthy with that level of engagement? The answer is obvious. Of course not. Certainly, they're extenuating circumstances. Uh, we have jobs and health issues, and everyone's going to be gone now and then. We, we understand that. We don't want to be legalistic. But, but we do recognize that if we're going to be a healthy church, there actually has to be commitment. We actually have to say, this is going to be a part of the rhythm of my life. I'm going to build this into my schedule, and it's going to be a priority. For most of us, the lack of engagement with our faith family is not about the extenuating circumstances. For most of us, it's really about our priorities. So do you need to deepen your commitment in church? Maybe you aren't in a group, and you need to start coming, getting up a little earlier, maybe being here at 9.30 and finding a Bible study to be a part of, or finding a midweek study. We've got studies going on during the week. Plant your life in one of those. You can go to our website and, and find more information about the groups that are available. Maybe you're not serving, and you realize, you know what, I need to serve. I need to pour my life 
out for, for the good of others, for the glory of God. So do what you can together, brothers and sisters. Let's redream the dream for the glory of God.